0: Hello and welcome to Future SciChat. This is our second episode. Uh, this week we're talking about alternative energy. That being said, I'm here today with two very special people to me. Uh, their names are Mike Attrell and Nick Maddox. How are you guys doing? Pretty good. Doing great. Good to hear. Uh, so as I mentioned, this week we'll be talking alternative energy. And uh, before we before we get too far into things, I just want to talk because I've had discussions with you guys this week about what is what are we qualifying as alternative energy and what are we qualifying as I don't know classical energy. What are so for me? Alternative energy is something that's either we get from from the environment, like from wind or solar. Uh, nuclear is probably considered alternative, although I don't think it necessarily should be. And then on the classical side of things, you have um, natural gas, oil, and what's the other one? Coal. What do you guys Should think? We go do you under mind?
1: like a uh, like a sustainable energy umbrella.
0: Yeah. So, like for instance, we we had the conversation about whether hydroelectric is really renewable. And obviously, the water cycle renews itself. But we got into the discussion of then in that case natural gas technically renews itself in oil because we're constantly turning plant life, like dead life, into new coal. Yeah,
1: well, that would be, again, like sustainable versus renewable. Because, right. like, you know, coal does regenerate, but it takes a really long time and it's not really a sustainable resource in that sense.
2: And we're, we're talking alternative in the carbon emission sense as opposed to renewable in the sustainable sense because those are two different things really.
3: Yeah. Okay.
2: There's there's overlap but I think they're still different.
0: Basically if you're burning something I'm going to be on the side of saying it's less alternative even if it is alternative like I'm More sure,
2: sustainable but not yeah.
0: Yeah. I'm sure we're going to talk about switchgrass at some point Nick <laughs> but you're still Thank God! Burning the switchgrass. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that being said, uh, let's talk a little bit. You guys each are have sort of special insights into different regions, as evidenced by your taglines.
1: You could uh, also say that we're, like, biased, or... <laughs> Well, I think I know you're biased.
0: We're, we'll find out if Mike is biased in terms of energy.
1: His tagline wouldn't, wouldn't suggest any bias whatsoever.
0: No, no it wouldn't. <laughs> Only because it looked like he was joking as he it's, as he turned it on. It's, it's a tongue-in-cheek, but it's still yeah. semi-true. So why don't we start with... Maybe we'll start with classical energy and then discuss... We'll start with what's good about it, and then we'll move to what why we why we should and are slowly switching to alternative energies. Uh, Mike, can you shed on any light on uh, oil, natural gas side of things in terms of what's good for the for the humanity as a whole?
2: Well, it's it's bountiful. There's there's a lot of it, um, but depending on what you're trying to extract, it's it can be expensive, um, and it can be hard on the environment, again, depending on on how you're extracting it. Um, Obviously, everyone's heard of the... By now, everyone's heard of the oil sands in Alberta, um, and particularly the mining, um, and that's obviously just the same way that you'd mine anything else. You just uh, strip away the the surface until you you reach your resource, and then you excavate it and continue ad nauseum until your area is uh,
1: exploited. Until Um, you have Sudbury.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, and so there's obviously the drilling part too, and and that's its own thing. And you know, both both technologies have come a long way, but uh, and they, they both seem to be the most um, practical way to uh, to get energy sources um, for for our current population. Um, but that's why we're having this discussion today is to look at the alternatives that people are coming up with.
0: Yeah, so bit be- like into the future because right. as Even even what people are doing now, but how we can improve. Yeah, what we have in the back of our minds is that these fuel sources aren't going to last forever. Right. And probably need something new soon. Eventually. Yeah. So that's... I mean, Nick, do you want to talk about nuclear energy?
1: I'd like to add on to, like, what's good about conventional energy sources, if I could briefly. Like, uh, if you look at it as my blog once did, from energy return on energy invested, so, like, E-R-O-E-I. Like, coal, oil, and natural gas are all tremendous in terms of the energy return you get on the energy invested into getting that resource out of the ground. Like, the gushers, the first gushers in Texas returned, like, the energy invested 100-fold, like, literally 100-fold. So there's just it's a tremendous amount of energy that you can get super, super easily. And then the fact that all you have to do is burn it to convert that to usable energy, it's really easy to do and just super efficient in that sense.
2: Well, it's not straight burning. you got to convert it
1: still. Yeah. But in some basically. Coal,
2: though? No, no, not coal. Well, yeah, as far yeah, as I know. Okay.
1: Yeah, coal. sorry. With oil, you have yeah. to refine it a bit. Yeah, you didn't hear it, but there was a
0: slight tone change in his voice, and he switched from... Uh, oil to coal. I, you didn't hear it, obviously, but it was there. I, I heard it, Nick.
3: <laughs>
0: this is
1: my from... coal voice, and this is my oil voice. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, so I mean, in terms of, I can definitely see why corporations and people have gotten rich off off these things because there's so much energy to be gotten out of it. But obviously, those same gushers that that, that they found in Texas when they first discovered them are either being such dry now or have long gone dry and they're sort of now looking anywhere they can in the world to try to find new sources of oil and natural gas. Yeah.
2: Yeah, you're not seeing gushers anymore. Um, a lot of the offshore stuff there's there's still you could almost call them gushers if they'd be gushing if they didn't have better control over how they're they're drilling their wells.
3: <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. gushing but, is no so bad. <laughs> yeah.
2: But no, there there are very high-producing wells in offshore, but those are really 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 expensive to drill. Yeah. Um, so anything anything onshore, you're you're going to have to do either some sort of a production method for pumping or uh, enhanced oil recovery, as far as putting something into the ground to get it out. Um, but yeah, either way, there's you know multiple uh, multiple times your energy investment that you return.
3: Right,
0: and there's they're still making lots of money, and there's still they're still fighting in the Middle East and with U.S. interests because of these, these sources of money. That there's obviously still reason to to fight over those resources. Um, I've heard an argument recently that these companies, like big companies like Halliburton and them, are, are actually making investments into alternative energy because they see where the future is going. Like, it would be stupid not to do it. And so they're basically just they're riding the wave as long as they can while they're preparing for the next phase of their business, which, I mean, seems smart, but at the same time, it's... I mean, it, environmentally, it's pretty obviously not good in the short term and, and into the long term.
2: Yeah. Uh, yeah, for, for companies who are doing that kind of investment, the pessimistic side of me or cynical side of me says that it's for financial reasons not for environmental
3: right. as far
2: as the livelihood of their business as opposed to oh yeah this is good for the environment i think it's coincidental that it is and you know it, it works out well and yeah it's more of a necessity than you know just desire to to be different maybe
1: well in fairness like these companies these massive energy companies are publicly traded and have a legal responsibility to their share- shareholders to maximize profits and yeah. like They're not going to do that by being, like, responsible citizens of the world.
0: Right, nobody ever
2: has. Well, it's a matter of doing what they're doing responsibly, not trying to do something that is going to give less profit in a more responsible manner.
0: Yeah. Sure. Are there any other good sides that you guys can think of, of of the conventional energy sources in the, what, 19th, 20th century?
1: Uh, plastics came out of it yeah hard, I, of
0: I know plastics because we're while we do still have oil we're using more and more plastics it was they were first synthesized from oil in what the 30s 40s that area that
1: and now sounds about right
0: yeah that's that's if i recall it's it was around there and now basically our ocean any cup of ocean you scoop out anywhere top like surface to the very bottom you're gonna find plastic in it and so, even if we do stop using oil for fuel, we're we're still going to need it, or we're still going to use it for plastic. It's not like we're going to stop drilling oil because everyone has an electric car. These companies are still going to be able to sell this product. Mm-hmm. Also, that, yeah. Sorry, go ahead.
2: Oh no, I was going to say, like, as far as I think Nick, we mentioned about the energy and energy out. Mm-hmm. Does that count the uh, the actual energy to get the energy as opposed to energy to extract? Like, as far as the combustibility of hydrocarbons, like, nuclear is obviously the biggest, you know, once you get the reaction going, it just multiplies on itself. But as far as burning biofuels or um, hydroelectric and that kind of stuff, what's the uh, the energy in, energy out for, for that, uh, or, you know?
1: It's, um, the estimate can vary, based on like how much the invest the individual person doing the estimate like how much they take into into account like theoretically you should go over the full cycle of everything so for oil you would talk about extraction refinement transport like everything oh, okay and then measure that against like what you're getting from combustion or however you're exploiting it right right okay yeah.
2: interesting.
0: So now I guess we'll we'll move on to the downsides of these conventional fuels. We've talked a bit about them, but uh, for me, I would say the biggest one is, I mean, in terms of the environment, there's global warming, and there's the fact that stuff like plastic is basically just everywhere now, and uh, it's starting to wreak havoc on the oceans. It's starting to wreak havoc on lakes. There was even a ban uh, in one of the northern states, I think it was Minnesota, on... Microbeads in uh, in all kinds of things like skin ex- exfoliants. Anything that uh, has these little tiny plastic beads that are supposed to oh yeah cut your dead skin off. And <laughs>
1: I don't well, know. Well, they would say that. gently exfoliate your dead <laughs> skin off. But.
0: when you look at them up close, they're basically jagged pieces of plastic. But
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. so is it the plastic? Because I know some use like a
2: pumice rock type thing. Are those banned too? I don't think they could, I don't think
0: they're banning those. I think they're looking for different ways to do it. The ones that use pumice, I think, or other sort of those kinds of minerals are fine. Okay. Uh, And they're saying that they're already looking, again, these companies are aware of the talk that's going on, so they're already looking into using things like ground up uh, fruit pits. Just any sort of, I I actually that's, had the same reaction, Nick. It seems that's weird. not
1: a bad idea. Like at <laughs> first glance, it's like why on earth? And then you think it's like, well, <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> he'll do the job.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it seems weird, but sure, that'll. I I assume like people, it's not it's not a pit that people have eaten and. <laughs> Uh, thrown away. These are pits post-processing, pits. Yeah. mechanically removed. Yeah, because I think I don't know what. Because I'm like I wouldn't be grossed out, but I know there are a it's lot like, of people who would be grossed out. Like oh, someone ate this pit and now I'm rubbing it, <laughs> even though there's no like there's no germ contamination or anything there.
1: So the company sets up in like Vancouver, and then invites <laughs> all the homeless people to come come in and like eat all the fruit they want, just so long as they get <laughs> the pits back. It's yeah, like, come on guys. The fruit isn't. The fruit isn't pitting itself. Come on. Or you, or
2: you set up, or you set up like a, a deposit type system where you, whenever you buy a peach, you pay like five cents, and when you return your pit, you get five <laughs> cents back.
1: That sounds great. That really does. See, <laughs> um, so like college students going going back <laughs> with like big bags of pits.
0: <laughs> People walking around and just picking up. Oh, that's. It's horrible. Um, so, aside from, I mean, the environmental concern in terms of global warming, uh, they've even, I was on the Daily Show last week, which is my main source of news for, for the states, uh, even, they, they had the environmental, uh, the heads of the EPA for Reagan, both Bushes and Nixon, I believe it was, the four Republican presidents, uh, all testify in front of Congress that, listen, Republicans, global warming's happening, we have to take steps to stop it. Um, and so, I mean, in terms of... I don't, I don't want to put you guys on the spot or anything, uh, but do you think... Like, people have said that global warming's happening, it's caused by humans. Do you think that the, the circumstances and the consequences are as dire as they're saying? Like, we're going to see four degrees... Uh, or whatever increase in the next century, and we're going to be under 10 feet of water? Like, if you live in Florida, you're going to be underwater in 100 years. Or do you think this is something that maybe nature will be correcting, we just can't see it yet? Obviously, I'm not expecting an expert opinion, but what do you guys think? Like, weigh in.
2: (laughs) I I think, in general, just as an overall assessment of the human race, we like to think we have more control over things than we may or may not have. So I think I, there's no question that humans are contributing to global warming and they're definitely not helping it. Um, but I, I tend to think that we have less control over it than
0: we hope we have or think we have. Yeah. We're inherently narcissistic about our impact.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I, uh, I just went to a talk by Sir David King, who is the chief climate advisor for the United Kingdom government. Mm-hmm. And, uh, what else? He does a bunch of stuff. He is a big deal. Like he talks with the IPCC on things
3: mm-hmm.
1: of that nature. Um, looks pretty bad in his opinion. Is mm-hmm. the best summation I can give. It's, uh, like, we are... If we burn on our current trajectory, we will hit, uh, I think, like, six degrees by 2050, 2060 or something like that, or be in a scenario that would lead to six degrees of uh, global warming. Mm-hmm. But the other... And the other, like... I don't know. Did you watch Cosmos where they yeah, talked about... Uh, Cosmos, yes. Yeah, I, I mean, it. Cosmos is amazing, but... Uh, <laughs> They've been taking like ice cores and studying the carbon dioxide content yeah. in the ice cores, and like for our viewers who may not have watched Cosmos, like the uh, I don't agree, but go on. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, like the isotopes of carbon found in uh, the ice cores would suggest that the majority of it is from burning the from the burning of fossil fuels, so. Yeah, I think we're uh, we're doing some bad things, and uh, we need to uh, we need to clean up our act. Yeah. Hopefully, and uh, hopefully, you know, this this uh, future side chat can make its way to policymakers, and uh, you know, we can. It definitely will. Yeah. We can uh, get some good work done. <laughs> <Yeah>. Selectivism.
2: Slactivism. <laughs> like this post to make a change. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's worked so well for every other cause.
2: Well, look look at Coney. Come on. He's like... Everyone knows who he is now. Well, did anything happen? <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's not the point, Rob. Did we get those girls back? I don't know. There, it's, a, it's a hashtag until it's not anymore, and then nothing really happened. Um, so I guess we'll move, and I want to... I got this a very timely... Post uh, this morning from a guy on Google Plus, not to me, but just in general, uh, about alternative energy, and he gave a few statistics on um, specifically on solar and en- uh, energy.
2: What's the user's name,
0: Rob? Maybe we his can. His name is Alex P. Okay. And it looks like his photo is a prom photo. <laughs> um, but anyways, he, he he names off a few statistics, and apparently if we're taking his word for it, which I am, because he seems, <laughs> he seems legit. he's posted. I see him posting a lot, and he's got sources and everything. Um, Ooh, sources. On, <laughs> on June 9th of this year, Germany got 50% of its electricity from solar power. Uh, and in the last 22 years, they've increased their solar capacity 16,000 times, which is pretty impressive, I would say. Uh, and they're Entry, not... Even, yeah,
1: based on what I've heard.
0: Yeah, and so you say that's not true?
1: Or no, that I'm saying true? that's. I've heard okay. similar things. Oh, okay.
0: Um, and basically now solar power is cheaper. It's selling at five cents per kilowatt hour when natural gas is selling at seven cents and uh, coal is selling for ten cents per kilowatt hour. Which I mean, I I hadn't heard that before, but it sounds it sounds extremely promising. Uh, that was from March of this year, uh, in Austin, looks like. Texas. I don't know. It seems like Texas. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, Texas. Um, yeah. Your face, or that was for? First... I don't know. No, because I was reading I was looking through it. It said Austin everywhere, and I'm like I'm assuming it's Texas. It talks about. Oh, okay. Oh. But it just called it the Austin Project, so I was like, maybe it's not, <laughs> but it is. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, they're signing a twenty. The, uh, the city-owned utility, Austin Energy, signed a twenty-five-year agreement with uh, a sun company, a solar company called Sun Edison, for uh, one hundred and fifty megawatts of solar power at just below five cents per kilowatt hour. So, like the the movement is happening and. Coal is on its way out in terms of electricity. and uh, In addition to coal, uh, people have talked about all the bad things about burning coal in, ter- in terms of the fact that at least to increase CO2 and all that, but there's also lots of horrible stuff that's locked up in the coal that gets released when you burn it, uh, nitrates and sulfates and mercury, and sulfide. And, mm-hmm.
3: yeah,
0: all kinds of crazy stuff. Um, yeah.
2: Yeah, I was ahead. reading. I was reading that Asia, while everyone has been replacing their conventional energy with alternative, Asia has actually ramped up their coal burning. Yeah, I've and, heard that. And so there's they use fifty percent of the. Wait, what was it? Yeah, fifty or eighty percent of the world's coal, maybe fifty. I'd like to say. Probably fifty. It yeah. More- um. Which, yeah, it's kind of like, oh, well, why, why would they ramp it up so much? But then it got me thinking, like, well, they have, like, over 4 billion people in Asia. So it makes sense that with half the people, you'd use half the coal,
0: maybe? <laughs> yeah, uh, but that China and Asia are pretty different.
2: No, I oh, I guess, yeah. Well, they said Asia, Asia Pacific.
0: Okay. Mm-hmm. I don't know.
2: It was okay. Asia. It wasn't just China.
0: Pacific isn't 4 billion people. Yeah. Um, maybe they separated out Russia then. Maybe. Yeah. The, anyway. The main part is that China is developing really quickly into an urban society. Like they have, I was looking the other day, uh, Beijing and Shanghai are both in like the top five. Like they were they were comparing the, the those two cities with other countries in the world. And like Shanghai, either Shanghai or Beijing, one of the two has more population than Canada they both have more population than Australia. Like, it's it's mm-hmm. super populated, and they're getting denser and denser, so this they have this need for, for energy, and they're going to coal more than yeah. anything else. Yeah.
1: Well, they also have, like, carte blanche in terms of, uh, like, their climate change... Right. ...things, like IPCC, because they're still a developing nation, and we can't say, like, listen, you can't really do that, because we did it a couple hundred years ago.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: So, like, they're entitled more or less to have that phase of easy energy as they expand
3: mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. and so I mean it makes sense that they would do it because it's super cheap and it works really well it's mm-hmm. horrible for like pollution and stuff like that but you know. yeah
2: Hey Nick you saw the uh, solar roadway video right? I think
1: <laughs> I sure did
2: yeah, solar freaking
1: to... roadways has been a yeah, tagline wanted... in my office for weeks now <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, so did, you, did you see the rebuttal video for that one?
1: No, I didn't, but I heard oh. a lot of rebuttals. Okay,
2: yeah, there's one main one, I guess, and they touched on all the points that I thought when I was watching that roadway video, the original one. I'm like, okay, sure, um, but from the sound, the main one of the main rebuttals was not just the cost of retrofitting and integrating it, but just transmitting or transporting, I should say, the energy. To the people that need it, yeah. Um, so basically, population density is is a big factor for that. So it sounds like a developing nation that's highly populated, like China, would benefit greatly from integrating solar into their, you know, energy chain, um, just because they are so densely populated that you're not going to need to transport a whole bunch to get it to to the people that need it. So um, yeah, so that's that promising, like I
1: guess. The original, like the idea behind Solar Roadways in the first place was, like, the company wants it to start out as, like, parking lots and things. Right. And, like, maybe expand into roadways. Yeah. And, I mean, the roadways could potentially be a logistical nightmare. But yeah. if you had it as, like, you know, a parking lot or a driveway, I could see that being much more yeah. feasible. Yeah.
2: Well, the rebuttal for for the parking lot idea was that during the day when the sun's out, there's going to be cars parked in the parking lot, so they're not going to get any sun. And then when they're, empty, when they're empty, there's nighttime and there's no sun. So they were they were saying, well, it'd make more sense to have, like, a parking shelter with solar panels over top, where the cars park underneath. Which I was uh, like, oh, yeah, a that's, actually, that's a really good idea. So
0: why aren't they doing why that?
2: Why don't we do that? Yeah, right, yeah. So that's that's kind of like, that makes more sense, and it's actually a
0: good idea. So for the um, five people on Earth who haven't seen this video, is it as <laughs> simple as, like, it's just in- integrating solar panels into drivable surfaces that was the
2: yeah they're hexagonal blocks of solar cells that are and then running parallel with the road is the electronics and uh electric equipment i guess to transport the the energy from the road and there's a whole thing with like putting led lights in the road for the road markings and all this kind of stuff and it's like you're not going to see those in the daytime, so <laughs> I don't know. There's a lot of leaky points yeah, well, to it. But... They've,
0: talked, they've talked a lot about roads. They've talked about using piezoelectrics to get power out of roadways just because of the cars driving on them. This oh, a...
2: for, 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 yeah, okay. I was going to say, what's piezoelectric?
0: It seems like there, there's a lot of... There's a lot better places to put solar panels than onto roadways because, like, they're just going to get degraded mm-hmm. so quickly. Yeah, that's roadways. that's the whole thing. Yeah,
2: I I've actually heard of I don't know what it is that gets powered. I think it's I think some traffic signals in some places get powered by that as cars drive through the intersection. It powers the
0: because the they have signal. they use magnetic fields and to detect yeah uh, to detect cars in most. Like the busy intersections in Canada, at least in Mm -hmm. Um, so I definitely see that being being possible. Yeah. Uh, So I don't know. What do you guys? uh, Nick, you had so many notes on this one.
1: Yeah, I really did. Because I didn't know that I would be here.
2: That's why I didn't make any notes. I'm like, Nick's covered it all.
1: I don't have my notes in front of me, Rob. You'd like me to talk about in particular. No, I mean,
0: talk about. You had so many good things. I don't want to steal oh, like the my ideas. <laughs> talk, talk to me a bit about wind. We haven't talked about wind yet. Wind, talk, not wind mobile. <laughs> wind
1: We've already talked about wind mobile. No, I have very different feelings about wind power and wind mobile. Very <laughs> different feelings. Um, I don't know wind like. Wind seems like a great idea. i um, super excited about it, especially if you can get it offshore. Because, like, like, here in Ontario, like, we have the Great Lakes, and if you could get some offshore wind going on, like, just along some coastal areas, I'm sure you would see a lot of really good power being generated from that. Um, although, like... I think a couple logistical problems right now are that we need to extend the grid and have the grid be able to intelligently adapt to, uh, you know, rapidly changing... Not loads. Uh, Mike, what's the opposite of a load? (laughs) An (laughs) (laughs)
3: unloading? Anyway. (laughs) Rapidly (laughs)
2: unloading overburden pressures? Oh, are you talking about electrical load? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. I'm not an electrical engineer. You're not? <laughs> why are Well, you here? shit, Mike. <laughs> shit.
1: <laughs> I don't even know why you're here. <laughs> I know what you mean, though. <laughs> yeah, but, like, the other thing is, uh, like, the magnets and stuff like that, they're going to end up putting a, kind of a strain on the world market, it looks like. If you, like, want to supply half of the world's power with wind or... Mm-hmm. Somewhere in that general vicinity. Like for the really good magnets, you're gonna need a lot of the rare earth elements. And yeah. that could cause problems. Yeah. Because they're so rare. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's kind ventilated. of a ironic
2: thing now that you that now that you mention that, you know, we're talking about you know, using solar and wind and nuclear or whatever, and it's gonna require a lot more electronics. It is. People are worried about the environment, and mining is like. I don't the think worst people things are things ever. About that. No. But that's the thing. It's not in the spotlight, but it's just as bad. No, as but I've,
0: in terms of electronics, people are talking about recycling mobile phones and these concentrated elements getting into the environment, into the, into our water, basically. I don't think people are worried about using rare earth magnets in wind turbines because, like, that stuff's. If they go out of commission or whatever after 25 years, that's going to get recycled. That people aren't going to yeah. be throwing wind turbines into landfills. But to to meet the Waterfront. demand, to, to meet the
2: demand to create the new devices, whether it be solar panels or, or whatever, you're going to need to get those rare earth metals from somewhere. Yeah,
0: but
1: incidentally, have, are we all familiar with the Ring of Fire development in northern Ontario?
0: No. No. I mean lightness sound good. It sounds like volcanoes.
1: No, it's like they found what did they find? It's like one of the biggest deposits of anything ever found in Ontario basically.
0: But it's not uranium.
1: No, it's not uranium, but it's a lot of rare earths that hmm. I think they're I think they're related to like the magnets in wind turbines and stuff like chromate. that. So
3: hmm.
1: Yeah. Yeah, chromite. So uh, we should get on developing that, maybe. Lots of wealth. Lots of uh, potential for wind power.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah,
0: I mean, people are taught. I mean, in terms of environmental impact of solar energy and all these energy energy methods that require mining, there are going to be detrimental effects to mining. But... Uh, well, and, I, and I can't back this up with any facts, but I feel like if you're using electric power to extract these minerals. It's a lot better than if we're talking about using gas-powered vehicles and in the mining operations.
1: Well, I, that would be the dream.
0: In terms of digging a hole in the ground, there's not a lot of bad environmental impact unless we're talking about all the energy you have to put in that's non-renewable. Mm-hmm. I think that's where you have to look at the the what Nick was talking about with the kind of yeah. Start energy. of
2: the process to the end and see if it's actually worth your your energy. Right. Doing that. And from whether, both, from, from I mean, both an emissions basis and an energy basis, yeah.
1: Yeah. Oh, that was another thing. Um, on wind power, yeah. like, I sent you guys that link, but, like, you can actually see on demand, like, what Ontario's generation makeup looks, looks like and like, what each individual generating station is putting into the energy mix. And, like, we have so many wind farms around. Like, we are the biggest... I'm not sure if it's production or capacity, but we're, like, one of the biggest wind producers in Canada now, Ontario is. Right. And it doesn't even come close to, like, the generating capacity we have from hydro and nuclear. Like, not even close, Like when you were saying, uh, yeah, there you go. Like when you say, uh, you know, Austin, Texas has a a contract for like 150 megawatts from solar power. It's like, you know that scene from Facebook? It's like, a megawatt isn't cool. You know what is cool? A gigawatt. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, yeah, like you can see up at the top there, like, Nuclear is almost always putting out about ten hmm. gigawatts of power,
0: right? Huh? Yeah. I always find it interesting because it's rarely talked about um, in the discussions about energy. But in improving our battery technology and our, possibly our capacitor technology, but our ability to store electrical energy, would also decrease the burden a lot on relying on these conventional fuel methods because at this point we're basically we're burning a bunch of coal and j- just in case we need energy like they if they burn coal and nobody uses the electricity like they have to burn they don't want people nobody wants to turn on their light and not have any electricity so they have to produce an excess but there's no way to store this excess electricity they just burn it off or they just let it i don't even know what they do with excess electricity <laughs> you know. i just know that it it's, no long, it's not stored.
1: Well, I think there's also, like, the issue with a coal plant or something like that. Actually, like, actually shutting it down and trying to start it back up again would just be yeah, a tremendous exercise.
3: Uh-huh. Although we don't have
1: any coal in Ontario anymore, right, which was right. a big issue in the election, if you remember. Although there
0: is an other section here, and it's something. What else, What is it that's not nuclear, gas, hydro, and wind?
1: It is wood, actually. Yeah. Like, up in Atacocan. Is wood it that was. different
0: from coal? <laughs> well, it's
1: carbon, it's it's carbon, is carbon neutral is the thing. It's. Is it, though? Is it? Yes. <laughs> like, oh, because it's taken in
2: the CO2 to grow, and then you're burning it, yeah. so just putting it back?
1: Any carbon dioxide that is being emitted is from a tree... Which took carbon dioxide out of the air to become you're a tree. Planting
0: trees, it's carbon neutral. Otherwise, I'm not.
1: <laughs> no, no, does like it, I'm not sure actually... if you're. Sorry, I'm not sure if you know where Atacocan is. It's like, uh, Lake Superior, I think. It's either Superior or Huron, like up northern Ontario, like all they've got up there is trees, like. So have they worked the out? Land operators and a dickload of trees, like. Right. So so they
2: worked out the numbers, and it actually is carbon neutral? Like, or is that just kind of, in theory, it is? uh,
1: Well, there's transport, which would probably make it, like, neutral-ish. But the other issue at play is, like, trees have root systems and stuff like that that get left over, and they leave leaves, which become part of the duff, and... So I don't know. I haven't like looked at the numbers for that, but mm-hmm. it's neutral-ish. It's about as close as, to neutral okay. as you're getting with the current transportation infrastructure. Mm-hmm. Right.
0: Interesting. I uh, when you when you mentioned that all there are up there is trees, it made me think of the Amazon, where there also were a lot of trees. <laughs> were a lot of trees. <laughs> Although I've heard actually good things about the Amazon and how the rainforest is actually there. I don't know if they've stopped. Like, they've stopped deforestation completely. I'm sure they haven't. But that they're slowing it down and planting more trees to try to actually make that okay again.
1: Yeah. I've heard there's hope in the Amazon anyway. Yeah. And, I mean, part of the problem in the Amazon is you have such a tremendous biodiversity. Like, yeah, they're
0: still discovering and- new species
1: all the time. Yeah, in the boreal, not so much. There's, like, five <laughs> kinds of trees and, like... Squirrels? Like, yeah. Well, I don't know. Can squirrels even live that far? <laughs>
0: there are squirrels. Sure, there are
1: squirrels. There are, like, rodents and stuff, like but it's species. nowhere near the biodiversity.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Okay, yeah, you did mention that in the notes, Nick. I, I'm sorry. You switched Weeds. from coal to wood. Okay. You actually yeah. wrote it down. <laughs> So can you summarize Switchgrass for us? Yeah. That, for the viewers that may not know or have heard of it. I know Nick actually can't summarize Switchgrass, but <laughs> talk about Switchgrass.
1: I have significantly more mixed feelings than when I originally blogged about it. Figured um, yeah, <laughs> The marginal farmland in Canada. So, like, as far as I know, and this is based on the last estimates I read, like, the farmland that we have in Canada... That's not really good for much you could grow switchgrass on it because switchgrass grows almost anywhere it will enrich the soil over the course of like growing for decades or however long Um, it's better than carbon neutral because 50 to 60 percent of its biomass is below the soil and can be like stored geologically speaking, and uh, it's just, it grows like a weed, and potentially you could get biomass energy out of it is the long and short. Um, it's not quite as good as wood as a biomass fuel source because there's uh, a higher proportion of ash and stuff like that that's produced, so it doesn't burn quite as cleanly. You need to do more, like, yeah, cleaning methods, basically. But uh, if you want a baseline fuel based entirely on renewable fuels, I don't know what you're going to do other than switchgrass, basically. And, sorry, the estimate was that if you took all the marginal farmland in Canada and grew switchgrass on it then harvested and burned, you could theoretically meet the energy demands of Canada with it. With just the switchgrass? Or something like that. Like, it's... There's a lot of potential energy if you're talking like all the marginal farmland in Canada.
0: Would would that so they would all have to be, not necessarily constantly, but in a cycle planting, grasses. If you're talking, well, oh, about- that's the
1: other thing. It's a native perennial, so you don't actually have to do planting. You just well, you plant it once, and they have experimental stands of switchgrass that have been going for over 25 years with one planting, so you don't have that. Okay. energy input either it just it, keeps coming up year after year is it
0: is the ground fertile enough that it doesn't need like does it need tending to or how does that hold up um because all i've heard is that like when you're planting and I, I have no experience in agriculture no background or whatever but all i've heard is that the ground dries out and there's no nutrients and unless you are enriching the soil it's not like how, how does it work there does it
1: That's a great question. I don't know much about the fertilization. Like, if you fertilize, you will get more out of it. But um, another practice they do is every three to five years, you have to just sacrifice that year. So you basically, like, cut it down and burn it to get a bunch of the carbon and nutrients back into the soil. Hmm. So, you know, you can increase the nutrients going back into the soil the more, like, the more times you... Burn that stand, huh. but uh, you do get you do get better returns out of it if you fertilize. But it depends on how much energy you want to pump into that sort of an application. Hmm. Interesting. I um. Is there anything I'm missing on SwitchCraft that I should be going over? I don't know. Maybe you, I, I used to that. know the figures for like how much, how many, like uh joules per hectare you could get out of it, but yeah. we should really just include links to that particular article. Yeah. We'll, 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 plug, wall of we'll plug
0: vodka equations on the in the yeah.
1: <laughs> please do. Friend of the show. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so you mentioned that now you're you're less on switchgrass. So what do you what are you more bullish on?
1: Honestly, nuclear. The more I find out about nuclear, the more I think it is the fuel source of the future, until we figure out fusion anyway.
0: Well, that's still like, nuclear, but
1: yes. <laughs> yes, yeah, sorry. When I say <laughs> nuclear, I mean uranium two thirty-five fueling the Candu reactors.
3: Yeah.
1: Well, like I don't know. Ontario has three nuclear generating stations with, uh, I don't know. A handful of reactors apiece, at least. Yeah. And for that land footprint and the fact that it produces fifty percent or greater of our energy cons- of our energy needs all the time on demand, like, where else are you getting that kind of energy without? Yeah. Like, I mean, you could do it with switchgrass, but I don't think you're going to get the EROEI out of it that you will with nuclear.
2: Right. Can you comment on nuclear waste, how that's managed? I've only ever heard bits and pieces of opponents against nuclear
1: Um, as far as waste goes. I can. I have, like, recently sat in on lectures on, like, the current Canadian disposal scheme for uranium, uh, spent uranium fuel. And, man, it's really cool. It's, like, good ideas Lots of them, and, like, you know, decades of focused research on the matter. Um, so, like, what specifically do you want to know like, about?
2: Is, is it basically just, you know, bury it in an isolated container of cement and hope that it doesn't leak? Is that how um, you
1: handle it, or...? No. It is in... First off, the site selection is super important. It's got it. Or the current scheme anyway would have it be buried in the uh, Canadian Shield. And I'm pretty sure this is the case. Like, I might be spouting off uh, confabulations, but they even to the point where they, like, want to find individual crystals of granite to bury it in. And, like, those crystals can be like several kilometers wide. But, like, I mean, the shield is super super geologically stable as is, but then you want to get into an individual crystal of the granite, like, that's mm-hmm. that much more stable, geologically speaking.
3: mm
1: mm-hmm. uh, The storage containers themselves are dry to start They're Like, they're dry. Worst case scenario, you get water inside the canister, but I'll explain a little more. Um, you have your fuel bundles, which are encased in zirconium alloy. Uh, Then you have, like, airspace. You have a steel canister outside of that, which, you know, strong, machinable, that kind of attributes. That is coated with copper to resist any possible corrosion that could happen.
3: Hmm.
1: That is encased in, I think, just, like, fill or something like that. Um, and you have not a capstone, per se, because it's not a singular stone, but you have clay, like a big hunk of clay that's sitting on top of the canister, too, to, like, hold it all down there. That might be encased in concrete. I'm not sure. But that is, like, for one... Storage canister, and you're thinking like you're thinking of having like a network of these canisters underground with a single point of entry.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: So it's like a field of nuclear turduckins, kind of.
2: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and how, how deep below the surface are these buried?
1: <laughs> I gotta compose myself after nuclear turduckins.
0: <laughs> it makes sense to me
1: <laughs> yeah no that's that's a turducken if ever I've heard of it <laughs> Uh, you're going I think you're going at least a kilometer down oh that's pretty deep yeah cool it's like one to five I think is what they're thinking one to five kilometers yeah oh that's a big difference but that's crazy to yeah drill it that, depends to drill on where you're drilling. yeah Mm -hmm. Like, they're not, like, to the point where they know exactly how they're going to do that phase. Yeah. Like, my group is working on the containers and, like, the relevant science there. Hmm. Um, That's with the
2: corrosion that you're working on?
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was being funded by... I'm not sure if I can say that. (laughs) (laughs) Redacted. I was being funded by an international group concerned with disposal of nuclear waste... And they decided we weren't worth the money. Oh. I wonder what they're going to do with their nuclear containers. They no. don't know. <laughs>
0: Neither do we. <laughs> so the, the one thing that always I always found curious, and I probably could have found this information pretty easily, is there's all this talk about nuclear fuel rods being spent and then needing to be stored. Yes. Also being hazardous, like very hazardous.
1: For... Like, yeah, like geological timescales, yes.
0: Yeah, so I always wonder, how are we not reusing these?
1: Uh, we're not reusing them. You can, kind of, maybe, sort you of. Sort of reinvigorate
0: but, them a little bit. I don't,
1: yeah, the, but the effort you would have to go to to then re-refine the spent fuel is going to be significant. Like, apparently that's one of the reasons that we're not using thorium fuel currently. I don't know if you've heard about, like, thorium reactors. i
0: from heard about thorium too,
1: yeah. From internet videos on the topic of thorium, I thought it was just, like, the silver bullet and the solution to all our problems. And then I talked about a guy, or I talked to a guy about thorium, mm-hmm. and he used to work for Atomic Energy. Um, and he was like, Well, you know, we did think about it because you know that's really our odd. job, yeah, but yeah, <laughs> one of the problems with thorium is that uh, it doesn't burn nearly as cleanly, I guess as uh, uranium, so you have Wait, to
0: explain that a little bit. how does it not burn cleanly? like what is, uh... <laughs> what is,
1: it,
0: what is burning and why is it not clean?
1: So, sorry, it doesn't burn as efficiently per, When I say burn, I mean... Right, obviously, yeah. yeah. Uh, like, you know, what do I want to say? I want... It's not fused, but it's... Fizz? Fizz? <laughs> it doesn't <laughs> undergo fission as well? Uh,
0: Less per unit.
1: Like, thorium requires an external source of... Uh, neutrons? Neutrons. Okay. It requires an external source to actually, like keep it going, as far as I know. Like, uranium, Mm -hmm. you can just start it, and it will keep going, because its decay cycle will support that.
3: Hmm. But
1: I think with thorium, you need, like, a constant external supply to keep it burning. Almost like an...
2: Almost like an oxidation-type thing, where you need the oxygen to keep it burning. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah, but you need, like, a constant external supply, and... Just because of, like, because of how it decays, you're not going to get nearly as much out of a pellet of thorium as you could out of a pellet of uranium, and so you would have to, like, constantly be taking fuel out, refining it, and then putting it back in, whereas you don't have to do that with uranium. And, like, the way can-do reactors are set up, we could be using thorium right now, like, you would just have to change the fuel and it True. would be fine. It would just work because can-do reactors are great. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, we don't do it because it's just a lot harder than using uranium.
0: There's no half and half. You couldn't just stick one stick of uranium in there.
1: Did like I You mean like a bundle of uranium and a bundle of thorium?
0: Or have like just one, like all thorium and then one uranium. Just for the neutrons.
1: Rob, you should work in his research group. <laughs> I don't know if that, no, like I don't know if that would work because you would have to like take out the thorium while the uranium is still burning, and I feel like that would be It's a job for business. robots. <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, I mean, because... Haven't uh, you seen AI films, Rob? Robots <laughs> have feelings, too.
0: There, there was an XKCD at one point that talked about this, I'm pretty sure. Uh, Probably. I think it was a what-if, and he was talking about how what would happen if you went diving in a nuclear uh, reactor tank, like a water tank. Oh, yeah. Like, you'll be fine unless you get, like, within 10 feet of it, and then you're basically dead no matter what you do. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I always found it weird that the, these rods are so potent. Like Humans were involved in some way to get them from the ground where they're potent to a reactor where they're even more potent. And then once they're spent, like technically they're spent, they still have tons of radioactivity, but it's just less than, it's less than it was and maybe you're not getting the energy return you wanted and so now you're getting rid of them. But humans are involved in this process the whole way. We're controlling the process. It's not like we're just sitting there. We found these reactors, and they're going, and we're getting energy out from the hot water. It's that, like, I just, I, I find it very weird that we went through all this trouble to get the uranium out of the ground. We're using some of the radioactivity, but then we're just putting them in a mountain and forgetting about them. Or I putting
3: think
1: the, like, I so yeah theoretically like they are still emitting energy and you could get warmth or something like that from it but when you compare the energy they're outputting now to what they were giving when they were fizzle or like undergoing fission like at a really high rate like there's it's a huge energy difference you're talking about and like the problem with the waste isn't so much that it's not so much that the uh the radioactive decay is particularly hazardous. It's like, it's still radiation and that's bad. But you're talking more alpha particles than like beta and gamma particles, like the super high energy, really dangerous ones. It's just the fact that they, like they're still emitting like alpha particles and like the the low energy stuff. It's just that they do it for so long. Yeah. It's the length of time that they do it that determines the high level waste.
0: Okay, so when I, when I picture nuclear, maybe I'm wrong about this, when I picture nuclear, it's always nuclear decay that's powering these reactors, but in some cases you're saying it's fission.
1: Fission is nuclear decay, yes.
0: But but they're not just letting off, like, this uranium isn't just letting off an alpha, alpha particle, it's decaying into other stuff. Yeah. It's like just splitting. So what yeah. are the waste products you actually get? I was just assuming it was spent uranium, because that's what um, was
1: described. No, it's... Damn it, (laughs) you should know this. Um, No, every time... (laughs) You're getting, like, uh, I don't know, like, when... I'm pretty sure the first process is, like, it's splitting. Yeah. So, like, it's not uranium anymore. It's a bunch of other stuff, usually.
0: But, so that that stuff... Isn't necessarily reactive anymore. It's the uranium that's still in there that's reactive, but there's just not enough of it to to make the process worthwhile anymore.
1: I think it's like I think what's left over is the uh, the ultimate fission products. They're still radioactive.
0: Okay, so they're not. It's just small They enough. emit
1: for a very very long time. Okay. This is my understanding. I'm going to have to do more research. In like one of my, I don't know, one of my profs is going to like watch this and be like, oh, <laughs> Nick, Nick, Nick. We'll,
0: we'll do a follow-up just on nuclear energy at some point.
1: <laughs> I hope so. That'd be great. Yeah. No,
0: because there is, like, even I am now, having done a bit of research into alternative energy, I still have obviously some misconceptions. Just because I've heard spent nuclear fuel rods, like, they're talking about spent uranium, but it's not uranium anymore if if it's undergone fission, it's something else.
1: Well, I you would have to look into the actual makeup of a fuel pellet to see yeah, how much uranium to, is in there.
0: It's not all the exact same process going on, but yeah. Yeah. Okay.
2: We'll do an FSC on uh, oil and gas too, just to even things out.
0: <laughs> that's a that's a topic for
2: past side chat. There's, there's, a, <laughs> there's, a, there's a there's a lot of science in there, and people are still innovating. So,
1: just all saying. Right. Uh, there's people did still you, trying to figure out gravity uh, Mike did you want to just like pause and like just drop a mic there for
0: us? <laughs> you're still innovating <laughs> who are okay, these people I've go. never heard I've, nev- I've not heard anyone innovating in the
2: I was there. just at a conference two <laughs> weeks ago
1: and have yeah. you heard of fracking Rob fracking's new
0: it's new it's really good it's really healthy for everyone no
2: No one's saying it's healthy innovation it's just innovation
0: uh, you know what would be really good for the environment
1: earthquakes more earthquakes <laughs> maybe you can extract some energy from that somehow hey there you go <laughs> I was thinking. geo shaky energy
0: <laughs> uh, is, is there anything is there anything else we need to talk about that we can't save for the later nuclear discussion because you we should still also have, have an
1: episode places. on bicycles. Uh, the Fashion
2: science? of transportation. On?
1: Or the energy side. Oh, future of transportation. That would be good. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: Buses. Yeah. yeah. Trains, do planes, automobiles. Magma. Lesso so automobiles.
0: Monorails. Virgin Galactic.
1: <laughs> Monorail. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I hear those things are awfully loud.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Um, Nick, there's a couple more points here. Are you okay? We've, we've hit about an hour. Are you, are you okay with stopping, or do you want to go over the last few?
1: Are there you'll have to refresh my memory. Gar-
2: garbage incineration.
1: Oh, yeah, I think that's another great idea. I like, that would be another in that yeah. uh, energy makeup.
0: That was the plot of Back to the Future 2, right? And three?
1: No. Generating garbage to to go. No, but that's with fusion. It's a different kind of burning. Okay, sorry. It was a Mister Fusion unit in the Delorean. Yeah, you're right. No, I think like that could (laughs) drain off of uh, off of landfills and, you know, actually get some useful energy out of it. Instead of you know just letting it sit and stew for. Yeah. Ever. Although that might create a whole new fuel source.
0: Underground pockets of methane and
1: No, they do actually generate electricity from landfills. They do, yeah. Yeah, like they burn off the methane. Or sometimes they can spin a turbine with the pressure of the methane being given off. And then they burn it or I don't yeah. know, could they heat water with it? Anyway, they burn it. I know that much for sure. Yeah, they do. That's, uh... We could just like cut out the middle then and like actually burn it and get Good energy out of it. Yeah, I'm not sure how much energy we'd be talking about, but it I don't know, seems like a good idea.
0: Itchy, but yeah, it's, it seems like the plot of a Simpsons episode, another Simpsons yeah. episode. Um, yeah, <laughs> I'm just
2: picturing like Dorito-powered, <laughs> and then, you know, you smell, you, you drive past a landfill and smell the, the waft of burning hot dogs,
0: and it'd probably um, be the, the smell of cow fart is what you're. Th- <laughs> <laughs> it
1: wouldn't smell like Doritos. <laughs> what if we feed the cows Doritos? What then?
0: Uh I think we basically are. Their feed is basically just high fructose corn syrup at this point.
1: Well, in the states, I think apparently it's a lot better in Canada.
0: Isn't it just corn?
2: Or are they actually feeding them corn syrup?
1: I don't. I don't know.
0: I think there's. There are some. There are some I've heard definitely that are getting basic, like not necessarily refined, junk food, but the equivalent, the the, the non-FDA approved equivalent for animals.
2: Right.
1: Yeah,
0: that's Thank another you. topic. Another
2: we do, yeah, we should do on factory farming. There you go. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I was say another one. I have like a question for Mike because I'm. Not sure how much oily, gassy stuff you do, but uh, is there any discussion...
2: It's very of... gassy, by the way. Yeah.
1: Good. Is there any discussion of, like, using solid oxide fuel cells to, like, get energy out of oil or natural gas?
2: Yeah. I'm not that side of oil and gas, but... Oh, okay. I've actually, I just saw that note, and I'm not familiar with the concept, so maybe you could enlighten us. What? Uh,
1: what it it's is. like a fuel cell in that you pump fuel through it and get uh, just useful energy out of it. But, like, a solid oxide fuel cell is a slightly different material, so it's not, like, platinum or something super expensive. It's something less expensive, which is kind of the point. But if you heat it to a few hundred degrees um, and then pump the fuel through it that way, apparently, like, you're going from just straight-up thermal energy generation, which is only, like, 30% efficient when you account for expansion of gases and stuff like that. You're jumping to, like, I don't know, I want to say 70-ish sort of range where you're converting, like, the carbon into direct electrons and stuff like that.
3: Mm.
1: There's, I have a slide from when I was giving presentations on fuel cell stuff that's, like, the inequality between Helmholtz-free energy and Gibbs-free energy, and it's, like, so if you do the math, you can see that Gibbs is always greater than Helmholtz, and that's why we like fuel cells. But I know. We, I think
0: all our audience, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> Even I was in one of those classes, and I still don't remember any of that.
1: Rob, 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 Rob. <laughs> you do have grants, don't you? God. Ah. <laughs> uh. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, I feel like that would be a good idea. They actually have, like, some commercial f- versions of them where you can just, like, throw in... Like, the fact that it's several hundred degrees allows you to just throw in whatever fuel you want, and it should work. Hmm. Like, you can finally tailor them to specific applications, I'm sure, but... Uh, so you just put know. it
2: up... You So if you have a natural gas plant, you put it upstream of the generator... Prior to the fuel being burned, so it's just a pre-primary source of energy from the fuel.
1: I don't. I'm not exactly sure. But okay. I'm saying like instead of burning it, you could just cycle okay. it past uh, whatever the fuel cell setup is. So you're not cycling and then burning. No, like in a fuel cell, you like run the fuel the fuel on one side of things and oxygen on the other side and you get direct electron transfer in oh, between okay. I remember and that. it's great yeah
3: huh.
1: it's like hydrogen fuel cells in cars the idea behind them is probably like platinum or something like that because it works really well huh. need to mine some platinum from asteroids for it to work super well but uh <laughs> that's like you're you're cycling hydrogen on one side of the fuel cell, and just air on the other side, and that's supplying energy to an electric motor. Mm. And it's just, like, X factor more efficient than burning it straight up.
3: Mm.
1: That
0: seems really really efficient in terms of return on investment. The technology that requires a meteor hitting Earth full of platinum to...
1: (laughs) Well, no, it's like the guys in charge of Google are trying to mine from asteroids. Yeah.
0: They well, they're, they're trying everything. They're, they're literally just throwing everything at the wall and seeing what sticks. <laughs> Not that there's anything wrong with that, but...
1: It's a great idea.
3: <laughs> yeah.
1: But, like, I guess they were saying if, like, you mine even one asteroid efficiently, like, the price of platinum is going to collapse on Earth, which, you know, will have some economic implications, but platinum's useful for all sorts of different catalysis and, like, uh, feel like that would be great for everybody. Huh. Rob I was stuck on your camera there and I just <laughs> you're just like <laughs> <laughs>
3: What's
0: going on, Rob? One of our viewers um posted a Q&A.
2: Oh, nice. Oh, boy. what did he or she say or
0: ask? Uh they're asking can you, do you guys see the Q&A app or is it just me? No, it's just, just you. Wondering. Uh, they're talking about I don't I don't know I don't want them to leave. They're talking about free energy from a
1: gyroscope. It's impossible.
0: <laughs> and then they posted a link to their community.
1: <laughs> I,
0: don't, I don't know. Yeah, I'm gonna
1: spam bot. Uh, yeah, I was gonna. That sounds I'm, kind of <laughs> spammy. It's either a spam bot or someone that doesn't believe in the second law of thermodynamics, and we don't care to talk to either of those sorts.
0: Um Well yeah, I agree, but I'm gonna <laughs> way,
2: to, way to alienate our very first Q and A non family member. <laughs>
0: <Yep>. <laughs> you did it, I didn't do anything, I just agreed with you. <laughs> yeah. They're 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 promoting their their community basically is what's happening. Okay. So I'll share with you guys, but I'm not going to talk about the community. That's okay. Uh, is there anything else that we need to talk about? I don't think I don't think Nick has any other. I think we went over all your notes.
1: Yeah. Sweet. I've been like studying for this podcast for years.
3: <laughs> we'll, so, we'll, uh, we'll
1: come so- back to.
2: Rob, your last point is is farther-fetched ideas. So, did you have any in mind? Well, we talked a bit for about a future.
0: Story. That's a good one. Uh, sure. There, there are crazier ideas. When I was doing, uh, when I took a geology class, we were talking about different kinds of um, energy that didn't rely on uh, non-renewable resources. There were lots of different talk of not necessarily wind turbines, not and not like like I guess it's hydroelectric technically, but putting. Uh, generators in the ocean, mm-hmm. oh, for like tidal. I was, yeah, I was yeah. gonna ask about that because when
2: Nicky brought up the wind in offshore, I, that came to mind about the turbines in in the tides.
0: Tides. So that that was. I mean, it's not necessarily far-fetched. It's just something that not a lot of people are even aware is a thing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think the next, like, because
2: you could do some gravitational generation with asteroids too. Maybe I don't know if you rounded them oh. up and something up don't, to... I don't want we don't need any asteroids <laughs> near earth <laughs> not that near Earth just just above the space station that's all I need
0: just... are they big like are, are we are we gonna be powering these asteroids around so that they stay in geocentric orbit of some kind
2: Well I don't know You'd, I guess once they lose enough energy they'll just fall to earth which would not be a good idea No. I mean, <laughs> what, if,
0: what if we crash them into the moon and then and... mine them from there? Because at least just, that's a I'm, big body.
2: I'm just thinking as far as just gravitational generation of energy. But
0: Where are you getting this... Where is this energy coming I'm from? I'm
1: just thinking, okay, geez. Farther well, like, it is. What is. Uh, no, like hydroelectric is definitely technically gravitational potential energy being converted into electricity. Right. Cool. I actually remember like a couple weeks back, I was thinking about like gravitational energy. I was like, I wonder if you could like harness that from anything. And I was like... There's a lot of, like, gravitational energy in, like, streams and rivers and stuff. I wonder if you could harness it so, like, was like, and I just invented the dam a few centuries too late.
0: Brilliant. That was, like, that was, like, the XKCD that was talking about how...
1: Yeah. I, it, it, I had exactly I the same pages. experience. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I just invented a website. <laughs>
3: yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, anyway,
2: yeah, I think I think space space-wise energy harnessing would be a good
3: far-fetched. I mean if energy
0: is if if we're bringing stuff back to earth there's always for me going to be the issue of we don't really have that that good of control of stuff coming at earth and I don't know that it's a good idea to start aiming things <laughs> at earth if we're
2: aiming you would have a space elevator
0: Oh, so we're going to build a space elevator <laughs>
1: No, no, you just go. I thought to that was a thing. given. You can, like go to the asteroid, you pick up what you want, and you bring it back. Just, just throw it in the direction of Earth. Just be like, oh, <laughs> huh.
0: We'll get Catch. the cannon arm, the cannon arm way out there, and just pick yeah. it. To us. <laughs> we'll
1: get a really big net. And
0: <laughs> oh, this is getting ridiculous. This
1: is not what I had in mind when I was thinking far fetched ideas. <laughs> You wanted far-fetched, Rob. That's I got exactly it. That's exactly what we're giving you. It's
0: exactly what I got. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the, the far-fetched ideas I was thinking of were more along the lines of the, in the ocean. Just using using things that are happening anyways, like the tides, to generate electricity.
1: I think that's a great idea, but like, how much energy can you actually get out of that? Like, without just completely blocking off the tides altogether.
0: Yeah. Well, like, they're talking about doing it in the English Channel, for instance, which is super wide, and
3: there's a
0: lot of tide going in. Or something like the Bay of Fundy, which basically empties and fills up.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Regularly. It's like the biggest tidal thingy in the world. Yeah. 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 (laughs) The thingy, Yes, the technical term. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs>
3: talking about
0: some, to someone who took three geology classes so I know my my tide
1: <laughs> I it, just like, I know my tide <laughs> I'm up on tidal shift it's true I am alright well if, if
0: there was nothing else really to say we'll we'll save the rest of the energy topic for another follow up because I do think there's more to talk about about nuclear and not just nuclear for power but nuclear for everything
1: Mm-hmm. And then there's fusion.
0: Yeah, we could do a whole episode on yeah. the future of nuclear then, fusion. Then there's cold fusion. <laughs> and we'll just no, um, there, isn't. <laughs> there isn't. There is talk. There there are people that have built fusion reactors, like in a in a house, like a small. I don't know if they're that they they actually proved that it or they have actually gotten it working yet, but that they're trying to build it like on a smaller scale, which I thought was pretty interesting. A fusion reactor. <laughs> Look it up. I'll find a link. I of...
1: I'm skeptical. <laughs> I feel the gyroscopes show better promise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: No, I agree. The, there are more promising things, but um, if we can make nuclear energy on a small enough scale that you could have some one for each community and it would generate enough energy for the community, I think that'd be a good thing. I don't know that we're there yet, or that we're even near it, but I think that should be the goal, It's not necessarily to have one, like, have giant nuclear reactors powering a whole province, but to have smaller-scale ones. Because you... Well, Sorry, go ahead.
1: Distributed power does have, like, intrinsic advantages, even, like, from a military strategy standpoint, even, like that communities can function independently of one another, like, for Mm -hmm. fuel and stuff, but, I mean, you're also looking at... uh, I want to say economies of scale, but I don't think that's quite what I want to say. Like, efficiency of scale? Yeah, Yeah, of course. I'm sure a giant nuclear reactor is going to be more efficient than a teeny one for, like, London or whatever.
0: Right, but in the very rare case where it does melt down, (laughs) I would much (laughs) rather have a small nuclear reactor than... Giant melts
1: down this far.
0: <laughs> See, I'd,
1: I'd rather
2: have a giant reactor meltdown down 100 kilometers away from me than one in my backyard.
0: Well, it wouldn't
1: be in your backyard. It would be, be well, listen backyard. to the bimbyism that just showed up. <laughs> Not in my backyard, says Mike. <laughs> Not in well, so backyard. when they steer the giant <laughs> asteroid towards Earth, Mike's like, just don't do it in my backyard, okay?
0: You made into into I don't know, Northern somewhere.
1: Yeah, exactly. Bob's backyard. Fuck that guy. <laughs>
2: Hit some caribou or something. Uh. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh
1: God,
0: this, this is done. We're done here. <laughs> <laughs> I
3: don't know All what right. we're going to talk
0: about next week. I have a couple ideas, but uh, we'll probably talk about what Google did with Google I.O. But, Sounds uh, good to me. TBD.
1: Okay. Cool. All right.
0: I'll see you guys next week then.
1: Right. See you then. Thanks, guys. See ya.
3: Bye.